Dear Father in heaven, we, we come before you this morning. We are humbled. We are in awe. We are joyful for your love, for your grace and your mercy. Lord, we come before you this morning to praise you for those things. Lord, we come before you to praise you for your son who came down to this earth to live a perfect life for us, to die for us, to die for our sins. And, uh, Lord, it's, it's a, a sacrifice that, um, that we can't imagine, uh, the, just the, the wonder of it all. And uh, so, Lord, we, we come before you to, to praise you in the best way that we can, with, uh, with the best words that we can, and the best possible way that we can uh, gather together to pray together, to sing together, and, and, and lift up our, our praises to you. And Lord, this morning we pray for, uh, for those who uh, don't have uh, friends or family that they can uh, spend this time in this holiday season with. And Lord, we ask that you would reach out to uh, those people, that you would uh, minister to those people and, and show those people uh, your love. And uh, Lord, that you would send us out to minister to them, to show them exactly how much uh, you love us and exactly how much uh, you love this world through uh, the gospel of your son coming and, and what uh, this Christmas season really means. And uh, so, Lord, uh, we just we pray for those people. We pray that you would use us to, to reach them, um, that they would uh, know you, that they would come to um, trust in you and, and trust in your son for salvation. Uh, Lord, that they would come to love you. And uh, so uh, this morning, Lord, I ask that you would bless our time together, uh, that as we uh, begin to read and, and hear your word um, taught to us, Lord, that you would open up our hearts and our minds to what you would teach us, and uh, Lord, that you would help us to grow in our, our love for you, and that we may know you more and love you more. And so, Lord, uh, may everything that we do and say honor and glorify you this morning. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, let's try that again. Good morning, everyone. Oh, that's way better. Wow. Thank you. Please take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 9 for our study today. Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Here we have the great prophet Isaiah sharing incredible truths about the coming Messiah, the coming Redeemer. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. Here we read, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You've multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you've broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. 
For to us a child is born to us. A son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over the, his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. May the Lord add his blessing at the hearing and the reading of his word this morning. Well, you'll have to excuse me for just a moment. I've got I to gotta get a few things here real quick, so just hang on for just a second. I've, I've got to get some things here that are important to me, and uh, i got to get all this. It's, it's, kinda, it's a little difficult. It's okay. I got it. So uh, i got this here, and i got this, and I'll, I'll get it. No, it's, it's really okay. I got it, really. I don't know. I'm trying. Uh, i got to get this, and... Uh, I gotta get this too. Yeah, here we go. Right. Oh boy, I think I got it. Yeah, all right. Okay, here we go. It's oh, a lot of stuff, isn't it? Yeah, I gotta set that up. Whoa, yeah, there it goes. Got this. This is important. And uh, yeah, here. Thanks. Thanks for enduring all that. Thank you. You know, you, you can't see it, but everybody in this room walked in with a bunch of baggage, right? You all have luggage with you. I'm, I'm still trying to catch my breath. And some, some of the baggage some of you are carrying is bigger loads for some than others. What's in your luggage? I always ask you what's in your wallet, but what's in your luggage? Some luggage, of course, is stuff that we've picked up on our own along the way. Other luggage has to do with what others have put on us. No matter what you're packing, all of us are longing for a place where we can just put our luggage down and leave it with someone who will look after it. We're longing for a place where the burden can be removed, where we can lay our burdens down once and for all. And now with Christmas just around the corner, the good news is God can help us with all of our burdens, no matter how huge they may seem. As we'll see today, for unto us a child is born. He will remove our pain. He will make all things new. He will shine his light on us. He will restore our joy. He will remove our burdens. He will put an end to our conflicts. He will be all that we have longed for in that he is our wonderful counselor, our almighty God, our eternal father, and our prince of peace. He will reign forevermore. Today, we continue with our discussion on Isaiah's Messiah as we started last week in our Christmas series. Today, in particular, unto us a child is born. At the beginning of Isaiah's great prophecy, in the book of Isaiah chapter 1, God uses Isaiah's voice. Mind you, this is a voice from 740 years ago, over 700 years ago, to warn God's people of the coming discipline of the Lord because of their ongoing rebellion against God. However, in the middle of the darkness of rebellion and, and God's warnings of pending judgment, 
comes a bright ray of hope from God to his people about something he's about to do to change everything forever. A child will be sent to the nation that will make all the difference. Not just any child, but the child will be given to all of us. And he will have authority and power to change all of us in a moment. He'll be able to change everything in your world. There's a lot of hopelessness and strife in our world right now. If you just take a look at the media and the news, what's going on. Again, just over a week ago, we had a high school shooting, which was just awful. On the rise, all the more is domestic conflicts, abuse, and murder. Over 92 people lost their lives in a series of devastating tornadoes just this last week. And of course, we don't hear about it because it's somewhere else. There's a typhoon that killed 75 people in the Philippines. Conflict in Guatemala, conflict in Afghanistan. Of course, the world's conflict ongoingly with the nation of Iran and North Korea. The seemingly never-ending pandemic with more threats of government intervention for mandatory vaccines just to keep your job. What is your situation this morning? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what baggage you're carrying. But today we're going to look at seven truths about the child that was given unto us. But before we study, let's ask his help. Would you please pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we desperately need your help today as we hear your truth to unpack everything here. Lord, we just ask that you would be our guide, that you would be our teacher. Lord, we want to hear more from you than from this speaker, more than anything. And so, Lord, as we turn to you, we ask that you'd open our hearts and minds to receive your truth. And Lord, open your word to us by the power of your spirit, that you might touch our hearts, our lives, our very souls with what you have to say here. In the process, Lord, may we find encouragement, especially this time of year, time of Christmas. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for gathering us together for your purposes today. Help us not miss what you have for us. We pray all this in your son's wonderful and awesome name this morning. Amen. If you have your sermon notes outlined, here's the first truth presented. Again, unto us a child is born. First of all here, he will remove our pain. That's what it says in verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. Anguish, that's related to pain. Gloom has to do with depression, darkness. There is a gloom and pain that surrounds us with the news, of course, what's going on in our world. And then, of course, there is the gloom and pain that we've brought upon ourselves through our own sin and rebellion. And this is the case for Israel in this passage. Israel was in sin and rebellion against God, and their sin and rebellion brought with it the gloom of depression, emotional pain, and stress. So let me just share with you how this works. Whether it's external or internal, there's, let's say, some event that takes place in your world. Something happens. And when you respond to that situation, that event either that you brought upon yourself or someone brought about by way of your circumstances, maybe even God allowed it to happen. But some event takes place, and when we respond unbiblically here, we then kind of go around the corner And now on the other end of it, we feel badly that we haven't responded very biblically. And because we haven't responded biblically, we then further 
respond unbiblically, and then we feel worse about responding unbiblically, and we just keep this cycle going, and before long it turns into a giant toilet swirly, and down you go. And after a while, you'll feel like you're in this dark, deep pit, and the walls are high, and there's no way to climb out of it. Gloom and anguish. We ask, well, what kind of sin had Israel participated in? Notice the cycle that takes place in this passage just right before chapter 9 here in Isaiah 8. Notice what's said about the nation of Israel and their rebellion. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Do you understand what's going on here? The Israelites, because they weren't hearing from God the way they thought they should hear from him, they're now turning to the dead. They're, they're basically having seances to hear of spirits from the dead to find guidance and instruction. That's known as sorcery. That's the occult. Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living to the teaching and to the testimony if they will not speak according to this word? It's because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. So again, they're making horrible choices in rebellion. God's not answering them. And so they further the sin through more rebellion. If God's not going to answer, we're going to go over here and get our answers over here through these dead people. And then those don't come through, and they're like, hey, what's with you? And the cycle continues. And they'll look to the earth and behold the stress and darkness and the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. The Israelites had already rebelled against God through abandoning God's word. So they found themselves in an even more desperate situation. So they turned away even further from God, having turned now to the occult, and when they didn't get the result they wanted from the occult, they then grumbled against God's lack of provision. You've never done that. You never grumbled against God's lack of provision, have you? And we all wrestle, don't we? And all of this brought a great and deep darkness, depression, gloom, and anguish, pain. Beloved, please know with great certainty, when we respond unbiblically or if we were in outright rebellion, Sin will always, 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 always bring more pain, more depression. The only way to stop the cycle is to start living righteously with the help of God. In other words, if you find yourself in that swirly, the only way out of the swirly is to take a tangential path of righteousness. And then things can start changing in your world. And Jesus is the only way out of the gloom. He is the one who can enable you to walk righteously through the power of the Holy Spirit in you through faith. Regardless of where your pain and anguish started, whether you brought it upon yourself or it's been imposed on you through the rebellion of others, the solution is always the same. We need to choose Christ. You need to choose Christ. You must choose to walk in the light of his righteousness through the Spirit's work in you. It is God's Son who can remove the gloom, and the pain. He will remove our pain. But not only that, secondly here, he will make all things new. This is an awesome truth. By the way, the verses in this account are really big. So the remainder of verse one goes on to say, in the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, 
He has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Here Israel, again, is under God's judgment, under his very condemnation because of their own rebellion. Previously, the northern lands of Israel, Zebulon and Naphtali, had already been taken hostage by the Assyrians under Tiglath-Pilisar III. But something is coming now that will shine brightly in the north. We too have been rebellious. We too have gone our own way, Scripture says. But Jesus can erase our contempt and bring about his glory in our lives. He can make everything new and glorious. By the way, that's the whole point of the gospel. That's the whole point of the good news. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Praise God for that prospect. You mean I can get rid of the old me? Yeah, I need to get rid of the old me. You need a new me. I need Christ in me. The psalmist cries out to God in Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We need to cry out to him, say, Lord, cleanse me. Give me a new heart. The promise is told in Ezekiel 11.19, And I will give them one heart, God says, and a new spirit I'll put within them. I'll remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a, a heart of flesh. This is what we need. We need a soft heart that God can mold and shape into something awesome and beautiful, making everything brand new. And we take part in this process as we turn aside from unrighteousness and rebellion. Throughout Scripture, we are called to turn away from rebellion, turn away from sin, turn away from the filthy habit, turn away from anger and rage, turn away from infidelity, turn away from lust and sensuality, turn away from deceit and falsehood, turn away from unwed fornication, turn away from gluttony and idolatry, and let Jesus make everything new. Throughout Scripture, the motif is turn and live. Turn away from the direction you're going in rebellion and turn to faith in Christ and find your life. He will remove the pain and he'll make all things new. But thirdly this morning, he will shine his light on us. In verse 2, we hear about this great light that's coming. The people who walked in darkness, the text says, have seen a great light those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Not only does he remove the gloom of darkness, he will bring us into his great light. Spotlight, boom. And this passage in Isaiah is precisely what Matthew used in his gospel. Matthew 4.12, we read, Now when he, that is Jesus, heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea. That's on the north end of the Sea of Galilee in the territory of Zebulon and Naphtali. That's up in the north. So that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Quoting now our Isaiah 9 passage. The land of Zebulon, the land of Naphtali, that's in the north, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness has seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region in shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent, right? There it is, turn. That's what repentance means. Turn away from the direction you've been going. Repent, why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Beloved, the biblical theme of light goes way back to the very beginning and culminates ultimately in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
You recall in Genesis 1-3, and God said, let there be light. And what? There was light. There was. John 1, 4 through 8. In him was life. Life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. That's Jesus. He shines in the darkness of our world. And the darkness has not overcome it. Praise God for that. The darkness can't overcome how bright Jesus is. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. He came to bear witness about Jesus, that all might believe through him. He was not the light. John the Baptist isn't the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. That's Jesus. And of course, Jesus himself in John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of Light of life. There's that life and this idea of life and light and safety is found only in Christ. John adds this with Jesus' comments in John 12. Jesus says to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light. Lest darkness overtake you. This is a warning Jesus is throwing at us. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going. Ain't that the truth, <laughs> all right? If you're walking in rebellion in the darkness, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know where you're going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Oh, that we would all become sons and daughters of the light who is Christ. Beloved, no one wants to walk in the dark. Go to Jesus and have the lights turned on for you. But not only that, he will also, fourthly here, restore our joy. Some of you over the years have lost your joy. Difficult circumstances, situations, issues have come, and it's, it's like your joy's been stolen from you. But notice what it says in verse 3. You've multiplied the nation. As the prophet Isaiah is speaking, as God is speaking through this prophet to the nation of Israel, you've multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Again, it just seems that it doesn't take much for us to lose our joy these days, does it? Someone says something wrong to us. They say the wrong thing the wrong way, and we're offended. We're so easily offended. Someone cuts in front of us at the grocery store, or cuts us off in traffic. Why, I oughta. A missed opportunity or some bad news, and all of a sudden the joy evaporates. But Jesus is the one who can increase our gladness if we would only let him. And you go, well, what do you mean? You know, what do you, you're, you're, it sounds like you're saying, you know, just be happy. You know, I'm not talking about ha happiness. The root word for happy is hap, which has to do with happenstance, right? We're not talking about happiness where I'm Mr. Plastic Happy Guy. I'm not talking about, we're talking about a deep-seated joy that's enduring, that comes from Christ. Having a knowledge about who he is and what he's done for you to such a degree that, man, I, I can rest in the joy that he has for me. It's not a circumstantial joy. It's a way of life. Where in the midst of circumstances, I'm making choices about my attitudes, about how I'm seeing things, how I see the circumstances, how I 
work with what's going on in my world. Am I going to trust God with that or not? By the way, you know, if you have an attitude, isn't an attitude ultimately a mindset? Isn't that what an attitude is? An attitude, by definition, isn't it a mindset? And if you want to change your attitude, then you need to change your mind. Oh, okay. Is it that simple? Perhaps it is. If we just change our mind about the circumstances, trusting God in it. I'm not sure why or what you're doing here, but I'm going to trust you, God, and I, I can yet walk in joy knowing that you are real and that you're at work. Paul reminds us in Romans 8.31, with all that God has done for us through Christ, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God isn't trying to destroy you. He's not out to get you. He's trying to bless you with all that he has if we would only trust him. If God is for us, who can be against us? Notice the gladness here that comes. Gladness as with the gladness of harvest. You know, if you're at work and, you know, you, you hear about you're going to get a bonus, you're going to raise, man, you want to tell everybody, I got a raise, I got a bonus, right? You're pretty excited about it. When you finish a job, you get, you're done with it, you accomplish something great, you're, you know, you look back at your work and you go, yeah, that, that's pretty awesome what happened there. There's a satisfaction, a gladness, a joy. It's that kind of joy. Christmas morning when all the presents are being passed around, everybody's going, oh, look what I got, you know? There's a joy as we divide the spoil, if you will. Jesus will increase that kind of gladness in you. But not only that, you will remove our burdens. The promised redeemer is the one who can take all of our burdens away. Notice what it says in verse 4. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. And when Midian was released, the yoke, the staff, the rod are broken. We, we all have burdens. We're all carrying a bunch of baggage. Some burdens are heavier than others. Some burdens have been placed on us by others and some we've placed on ourselves. But it is Jesus who lifts our burdens off of us as we turn to him. So let's look at, let's look at the burdens I'm carrying around here. Got a bunch of stuff here. Well, let's take a look. Um, what do we got? Well, let's get this guy. Here, we gotta get this. There's a big, big suitcase full of stuff. I carry this with me all the time because I don't know what else to do with it. So here, here it is. It's all my stuff in here. Okay, what do we, oh man, look at all this. Yeah, this is great, wow. Well, okay, got, got my work, all my work's in here. That's, that's my work stuff I got carrying that, that around. And uh, oh, oh, there's my family, there's my family's in here. Okay, got my family, I gotta carry them around with me. And uh, let's see, and I got all these extension cords because I'm, all, I'm, I'm hooked up to all kinds of stuff going on, right? And this one's a really cool extension cord because it's got a light on it. Of course, the light always goes out. But anyway, I got it. And, and then, of course, I carry, you know, I carry these things because, uh, you know, I, I might have to deal with somebody, you know, who's bugging me or I just cut them off. I'm just, I'm done with you. You move on. Oh, wait, wait, wait. There's my Bible. I'm a Christian. So here's that. I got that in there too, and so I got all this stuff there, and, and uh, what else? Oh, I've got my, my hobbies and my avocation here. I got, there's my hobbies. Those are important to me. I carry that around, and, and uh, here's my media bag. This is so I can keep track of what's going on in the world and talk to all my friends all the time, so that's my media bag, and of course, uh, then, I, you know, 
This, this is my bucket of fear. I, I don't want to look in there. I don't ever look in there. That's scary. And, uh, and of course, I got, of course, I carry my big bag of black sin. There's, there's my sin bag. I got that with me all the time, too. And, uh, and on top of all this, you know, I, I'm running out of time. That's the problem, right? We're all running out of time. And we all got stuff we're carrying around, too much of it. Maybe we need to give that all back to him. The burdens. Jesus comes to us and says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, man, just take a big breath. <sighs> just moving that stuff around is exhausting, let alone carrying it everywhere. Trying to keep it organized, sorted. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy Heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Why? For my yoke is easy, Jesus says, and my burden is light. Oh, that we just turn to him and let him have this stuff, no matter what it is. I wish we had a big you know, sanctuary cross. I'd like to take all this stuff and like, just go lay it at the, the foot of the cross. That's what we need to do with all this whether it's my family, my walk with God, my work, you know, all my sin, the things I'm afraid of, all this bucket of other stuff, just, just go lay it at his feet and leave it with him. Problem is what we do is we'll go lay it at his feet and you know, we'll, we'll step a few steps away and, and we'll go, well, I, I want some of that back. And we'll go, we, we kind of coddle our burdens. I've seen people put their burdens down and five minutes later, you know, they're, they're they're going back to go pick it up. I'm like, what are you doing? Leave it there. You can trust him with all of it. The whole kit and caboodle, as they say. He will remove our burdens as we turn to him. But not only that, sixthly, he will put an end to our conflicts. Notice what it says in verse 5. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire, the battle's over, the war's over, it can be done with. Here's a picture of what happens at the end of the war. All the implements of war are burned up and done away with, literally consumed, Scripture says. Isaiah 2.4, just earlier on in this book, God says, He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. We need to be that kind of people where we're not studying, learning how to engage in warfare with each other. That we would not learn war anymore. Beloved, it is Jesus who helps put an end to all of our conflicts. He is the one who can ultimately bring peace. Paul writes in Colossians 3.12, it won't be on the screen, but listen close. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Man, I'd like to see that in the, in the, in the lines at the grocery stores with how people are dealing with people right now. Bearing with one another. Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. 
And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. For many of you this coming week, you're going to be sitting at dinner, having Christmas dinner with your family. And some of these people you haven't seen in over a year, and, and, there's, and there's a reason for it, because you've been trying to avoid them. I don't want to have to deal with those people. But now here they're coming. They're going to, you're going to be at that house. They're going to be at that table. Will you bring peace? Will you bring love and grace? Will you keep learning war or will you drop your sword and give it all to him? He will put an end to our conflicts again if we'd only trust him. And lastly, here, don't miss this. He will be all that we've longed for. Jesus is precisely that. He is precisely all that we've longed for. He's all that I've longed for. He's all that you've longed for. By way of five truths here, in particular, four titles. The first title being, he is our wonderful counselor. The, the text says in verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. It sounds like a Christmas card, doesn't it? Written 700 years before Jesus shows up. It's amazing. It's prophecy. But he is our wonderful counselor. He doesn't come at us with a, li a list of rules, but he brings godly guidance and wisdom as our wonderful counselor. By the way, there is no better counsel than God's counsel. Again, I don't know what you're going through, what you're dealing with. There is no better counsel than what God has to offer you through what he has said to you, what he said to all of us in terms of all that we would need. His word is sufficient if we'd only trust him. But not only is he the wonderful counselor, notice what it says in verse 6, it goes on to say, Mighty God, he is our almighty God. Now this is a crazy thought. Did you see the beginning of verse 6? For to us, a child is born. It's a child whose title happens to be Mighty God. Has anybody here been a child and known as Mighty God also? Probably not. But this is who this Jesus is. Why? Because he is God with us. He is Emmanuel he is God, as I mentioned last week, incarnate. He is God in the flesh. And so when you see Jesus, you're seeing the Father. Jesus even said that. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen who? You've seen the Father. Can anybody in this room say that? If you've seen Brad, you've seen the Father. No, you haven't. Not even close. But if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Why? Because he is mighty God. And he's thirdly, he is the eternal Father. The everlasting father. How is it that a child is born and he's the everlasting father? Unless we're speaking of someone remarkably, unbelievably awesome, i.e. Christ. As our eternal, everlasting father, he brings love. The love of the father at the same time. By his grace, he brings discipline. Don't think when you're under God's discipline for your rebellion that he's, he hates you or he's out to get you or he can't stand you. It's just the opposite. He's crazy about you. He loves you. I was talking with a guy this week and we were talking about the two components of God's power. 
versus God's weakness, God's love versus God's hatred. And he understood God's power. He was all about that. He understood God's power. Yeah, I know God's all powerful. But he realized that, I guess I never realized to what degree I'm wrestling with whether or not he loves me or not. Hmm. And for the first time, that was he was awakening to the idea that, you know, I used to know his love, but I haven't known it lately. And we all need to understand that he is our heavenly father, and as our heavenly father, he loves you. So much so, he's willing to lay down his life for you. Because that's exactly what he's done. He is our wonderful counselor. He is almighty God. He is our eternal father. And not only that, he is our prince of peace. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He helps us find rest in the midst of the great hostility that we find ourselves in through the rebellion that's all around us and the rebellion that we bring about ourselves. He he brings peace where we can finally be at peace with our God. Don't don't lose sight of the reality that prior to Christ, we were his enemies. We were in conflict with God, Scripture says. We were under his just wrath, and only now through Christ, that wrath has been appeased in Christ, and now I am free. From that, I'm now able to find peace with God. For Jesus is our peace, Scripture says. And now we can have peace with God, but we can have peace with each other. We can quit beating up on each other. We can drop our swords and find unity and oneness finally. And then ultimately we can find even peace within ourselves as we wrestle in our own walk from time to time. But not only is, our, is he our wonderful counselor, almighty God, eternal father, prince of peace, he will reign forevermore. And I'd like to remind you that's a super long time. <laughs> How long is that? Well, that's Forever. Notice what it says in verse 7, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Are you hearing that? His authority and control and the peace that he brings, uh, first of all, there's no end to it, but it's increasing, it says. Of the increase of his government, he, he is ever, always more full of authority and peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. God is making this happen for his purposes as he now brings the gospel to even us through Christ. If we'd only believe, if we would turn, if we would repent and put our faith in him alone for our salvation. It is God himself who is the one who is giving us his very son. So what are you going to do with all your baggage that you're carrying around today? You're going to keep trying to carry that stuff around? Yeah, give it up. That's right. Give it to him. Hand it over. And what more could you want? He can handle it. He can handle your stuff way better than you can. I just hate to break it to you. But that's what's true. He is all that we need in every way and more. 
For unto us a child is born. He will remove our pain. He will make all things new. He will shine his light on us. He will restore our joy. He will remove our burdens. He will put an end to our conflicts and we will, he will be all that we've longed for. He is our wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. He will reign forevermore. Would you please stand as we close our service today? Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the absolute truth of your word. We thank you that it's reliable. It's full of integrity. And Lord, it's my prayer that as we hear these things today that we might find encouragement, knowing full well that you are the one who removes our pain. You're the one that brings light into our world and You're so willing to help us overcome our conflicts. You're so willing to help us with all that we wrestle with, all the baggage that we're carrying, if only we just lay it down at your feet and leave it with you. But it's my prayer even right now that as we're considering these things that in the quietness of people's hearts, even this morning, whatever burdens that they're carrying right now, they would take that in their minds, in their hearts, and they would go, yes, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this with you now. Right now, this is yours. I'm done with this because I can't deal with it. No matter what it is. And Lord, may we just leave it there. Help us to trust you. Lord, we can't do this in our own strength. We need your help through your spirit in us to walk away from these things and to leave our burdens and our cares with you. Lord, your word says that we can cast all of our cares on you, all of our fears on you because you care for us. Lord, that's enough. That's enough right there that we just know your care because you are God. You are the wonderful counselor Mighty God, everlasting Father, you are the Prince of Peace and you will always reign. Oh God, help us to get our minds around that truth and not just hear it. Lord, may it not be that we just hear it this Christmas, but that we might actually live it. And Lord, may we then be a light to others around us. As we talked about last week, now being able to comfort others with the comfort that we've been comforted with from you. Lord, I pray for each one as they go to family and meet with family and friends over this Christmas season that uh, you would use all of us as lights, as encouragement around the, these Christmas tables, that we bring grace and peace and kindness and this kind of freak people out, help us to put our weapons down, oh God. Again, just leave those with you, they're yours. Lord, we need your help in these things. And so, Lord, help us to trust you in all of this because you are God. You're all that we've been longing for. Thank you, Lord. We pray all of this in your son's wonderful and awesome name this morning. And all God's people said, amen. Just a reminder, don't forget this coming Friday at 6 p.m. is our Christmas Eve service. 
We're going to have a candlelit service uh, with silent night singing and music, and it'll be a great time. Hopefully you can come. Have a great week.